0: Good evening. How are y'all doing? Good? Great. My name is Jason Mann, and we are missionaries to Europe. And uh, I just want to let you know that somewhere in the sermon tonight, I'm going to talk about chocolate cake. Okay, so it's coming. All right. Just for the preacher. All right. Uh, So uh, we've spent about uh, six years already in the missionary world and um, uh, the five years spent in Hungary and the Lord really blessed our time there, and uh, the whole time it was a different than the normal missionary um, pattern, I guess is the word I want to use, And uh, but the Lord allowed me to go from church to church inside of Hungary and uh, minister to them. We spent uh, time with the National and help them establish a brand new church, and and uh, the Lord's blessing there, and then we went over to another church, and we uh, helped them grow spiritually and work on a building with them. and. Uh, the Lord just kind of directed me in different ways and uh, different avenues. And uh, somewhere along the way, he directed us to BBTI over in Bowie. And uh, that's how we found you guys, was through BBTI. So that's a very uh, short, condensed version of how I got here. Uh, But about uh, May of 18, I suppose it was, uh, we went back to Hungary. And uh, with the goal of going to a new city and preaching the word and handing out the gospel and uh, seeing people be saved and get a building and start a church, and the Lord said, "No, I got something else for you." And I said, "Well, if you have something else for me, I need to know what that is." So I went into the Word of God. It was about October time frame, and uh, we had at that time about 20,000 tracts handed out and uh, no response. And uh, also at the same time, I was trying to find a building and a location to Uh, hold services and things of that nature. And for whatever reason, every door shut. I I couldn't open up a door with a a, a opportunity if I tried. And the weird thing is I rented several places in Hungary. It's like a two or three day event. You call the realtor, I wanna see it. You go look at it, I like it. You sign a paper, done. Very simple process. Of course, you gotta have the money, right? A very simple process, but for whatever reason, uh, several realtors were just completely ignoring me. I would go there, and the person I needed wouldn't be in, and I would ask about this property and that property, and everything was shut down uh, for me to go and see. And the, the even weirder thing is a year later, all of those properties were still for rent. They were unoccupied for a whole year. So it wasn't that I was just late and someone else was coming in, but the door of opportunity was closed, so uh, October of 2019, I said, Lord, something's going on. You're doing something. I don't know what it is. I'm supposed to be in Hungary as a missionary. i uh, here for the endeavor of my life and uh, as the Lord leads, but something's going on. So I went into God's Word, and I started in the beginning, and I went to the end. But by the time I got to uh, Mark chapter 1 and verse number 3, uh, I read this verse, and it said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness... And along with other council and men around me, uh, the Lord put a burden on my heart to see more churches and more missionaries in Europe. Uh, Did you know that Europe is about the same land size as America? It's very close. And uh, just a couple extra states and we'd be there the same size. America is somewhere around 350 million people, give or take one or two, and Europe is Closer to 800 million people. So they have double the population, but about the same amount of land. How many independent Baptist churches are within, I don't know, maybe 60 miles from here? Probably 300 would be a low number. Where I lived in Hungary, I could drive for 100 miles until I got to the next independent fundamental Baptist preacher and that wasn't just like one direction that was any direction so that along with the closed opportunities along with other circumstances that the lord brought our ways because that's how the lord speaks to us through circumstances and through his word and through guidance of other christians i said okay i have to pause and i have to say what's going on many years ago Long before that, uh, a desire and a burden to see more missionaries come to Europe was in my heart. And it was just a seed that was there but didn't grow until last October. And I got to talking with a friend over in Croatia. And um, he's in a city of uh, a few million people, and he's the only one there. And we go up to a, a high building, and we overlook the city. Sorry about that. We overlook the city. And you just see people everywhere. And he's the only one with truth. It's not right. It's not right. God died for them. It's not right. And then you go to Austria and there's one. You go to a whole city of millions of people and there's no one. And then you go into uh, Germany where you can go to Berlin where to my knowledge there's one. There's spreader out in Germany, there's others, yes, but a city like Berlin, there's one. And then you go over to Italy and there's a handful. We're we're trying to find out how many independent Baptists are actually in Europe, uh, but they kind of slither around, you know what I mean? We're, We're so independent, it's hard to find. But friends, there's probably less than 200. In all the research that I've done, I can't get over that number and I want to. You know, in Hungary, when I first went there, it was because of the need, because there wasn't enough going on for God. I went to a, uh, I went, followed my pastor over to Hungary for a pastor's meeting, and there was three people there. And I'm like, three? It's a country of 10 million. How how are three going to reach 10 million? It's not enough. So Lord, give me this burden to start reaching your ministries and we have simple goals. One is to edify Christ. If we can't edify Christ, then why are we doing anything? Next is to equip not only the missionary, to equip them with different resources to help them in, in reaching their, their people that God called them to, but to also to equip the American churches to understand and kind of be a bridge between the American church and the European church. And let me put it this way. If you wanted to be an encouragement and send a package over to a missionary, what would you send them? Well, I asked. I asked a group of men that, uh, on, uh, we have a group that meets on Mondays in a Zoom meeting. Didn't know about Zoom before COVID, so thank you, COVID, for Zoom. Uh, we asked in this group, and I said, if a package came, what would you want? You know what every single man said? Ranch dressing. Ranch dressing. Ranch dressing. Which brings us to the encouragement category that our ministry does is to be an encouragement to the missionary on the field and send them ranch dressing. You know, we have everything that we need here, right? Is there anything that Walmart can't provide us? Or another grocery store in the area can't provide us? We have everything. I tell you, you move over to a foreign field and you're like, where's this? My first time in Hungary, they had three cereals and none of them would be good enough for UPS to put in packaging as peanuts. They were all not worth eating. In fact, I was with the same pastor and I went and I got a box of cornflakes and we didn't even finish the meal. It was so gross. They have a few others now, but the point is things aren't available there and what happens is you go to do something And, you you know, if you have one task for the day, that's a huge accomplishment to get done. Maybe it's go to the hardware store and get something to fix something just to find the correct part. It's so discouraging because you can't find the right thing. So the devil gets in there and discourages. Oh, you can't even find the right paint. You're supposed to be a preacher of God and represent God. You can't even paint right. You know, that's how the devil discourages Just silly, silly, stupid things. So we want to be an encouragement to them and help them. And we want the local church to engage with missions more than they are now. Whether it's, did you know that you could text people? It's on your phone and you can text. The preacher and I have our numbers, we can text now. And that same technology for texting, that works across the ocean too. It was wonderful When I'd wake up and have a text from someone saying, praying for you, praying for you. It's so easy. Every once in a while, I'd put in a prayer letter, this is my number, please text me. And then that letter would be dispersed and takes about a week to get there. And then I would get texts from people saying, praying for you, praying for you. It's so easy. Did you know that you can get on a plane and just in about nine hours be in Europe? Mind blowing. And you can actually be an encouragement. Don't be a burden to them. Be an encouragement to a missionary. You know, so often there's uh, retired people that uh, income-wise, they're good. Their needs are met financially. Well, they can go to Europe and stay in an Airbnb for just a few thousand dollars for a month or two months or three months. And be an encouragement to a missionary. Uh, Simple things that need to happen to encourage the missionaries the problem with missions today is they don't stay because they get discouraged so pray for missionaries pray for uh, this ministry the lord's given uh, to the man family to just be an encouragement to people to go and be involved Uh, what there's two main aspects that the man's will do in the ministry is is uh, invite others from america to go over for Uh, 10 days, two weeks, whatever the case might be, and just to hand out tracts with an established missionary and go in the area and hand out tracts. My friend in Croatia has a plan for seven new churches inside that city. Uh, He has one and he's getting that established and he's working towards another one. When he goes to that new area, he needs help. Uh, You know, one person can't hand out uh, 500,000 tracts, but 20 people can pretty quick and they make a big difference in reaching the people. And the other aspect is to go where there is no missionary. Uh, To my knowledge, in North Macedonia, uh, there is no missionary for independent fundamental Baptists holding to the King James Bible, preaching God's word. Not one. Well, that's where it all started. That's where Paul went. And yet today, they're overtaken by the Muslims and they're overtaken by false cults and other religions. In fact, to my knowledge, they don't even have an accurate Bible in their language. So even if we went with the truth, we could not get it into their language on a very easy scale. You can go to Walmart and get a King James Bible. You can go to the dollar store and get a King James Bible. But over in other parts of the world, it's a completely different story. So the Lord's asked me just to be a voice and just to tell people of the great need But that brings me to a problem, because the the goal of reaching Europe is to bring people over to Europe, and that sounds simple and easy, and it's not, because we're so comfortable. So I could come and I could say, you know, Europe, it's 10% of the world's population, and yet they don't have the gospel. They don't have truth. You know, if you look and you did some studies, you'd find out they're Christian. That means Catholic. Well, we just saw what the Pope did. They ain't Catholic. I mean, they ain't Christian. They ain't even close to being Christian. I could tell you of the 750 million souls, but honestly, that number is way too big to comprehend. It's too big. When you're going, here am I, Lord, send me, and then you go, oh, 750 million people, oh, I can't do that. It's too big. So what can I say to encourage others to go to Europe? Nothing. That's a problem, preacher. Because there's nothing I can do, there's nothing I can say, there's nothing that I can preach that can encourage you to make a difference in Europe. There's a reason for that. I could talk about Sweden with 11 million souls and only two known independent fundamental Baptists there. There's a guy that's retiring and a guy that's come in to take his place. For 11 million people. So what can I say to convince you to come and share the gospel in Europe? Nothing. And that's a problem. In Luke 18, Jesus said to the rich man, he said, Sell all thou hast, distribute unto the poor, and shall, that, and shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. That sounds pretty easy, right? have a yard sale, get an airplane ticket, and off we go, right? And, you know, so often that's not the case. It sounds easy, but it's hard to do. That man left sad because he had great things. In Austria and Croatia and Hungary and Germany and Italy and, and Spain and Portugal, There's the need can, I, can go on and on and on. Poland, 40 million people. Now, how many missionaries do we know to Poland? I could talk about the great need, and I can say, come for two weeks, come for two months, come for 20 years. But there's nothing that I can say to convince you. There's opportunities for young and old and everyone in between. But nothing I I can do or say can convince you or convict you or constrain you unless your heart, and this is the key, that our heart is in the mode of go. The Great Commission What is it? Go. That's step one. Step one is simply going. And yet it's so hard to find people to do so. Let's look at Romans chapter 10. And let's see what Paul had to say, the great uh, missionary. Paul chapter 10, or Paul chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. He deals with this very problem. In verse number 14 It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You see, the problem we have today is not new. Paul had the same problem. He continues and he says, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Has anybody heard this verse before? And Honestly, that's the problem. We've heard it too much. Paul answers the problem. Verse 15, how shall they preach unless they be sent? That's the job of the local church. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I got to tell you, feet are ugly. Right? That's why we wear shoes. Cover them up. Right? Because feet are ugly. And yet when your feet bring the gospel to somebody... They become beautiful. They become beautiful. So could I preach on this passage and come up with an outline and the conclusion of the matter is that you're like, I'll go. Send me. I'll go. Well, we could look at the statistics and see there's the great need. So we could say, yes, I, want, I have a burden for this, this country, and, and yet the people aren't there sharing the gospel. I've been to Hungary and Austria and and, uh, all these countries, and I've seen the cults and the church buildings. I've seen little rooms filled with uh, elderly women praying and playing with their beads and praying their prayers because the truth is not there. So we can say, we can hear a message, and we can say, here am I, and yet no one's going. And if they go, they get discouraged and come off. Preacher, have you seen that? So what can I say? Nothing. That's a problem. Look with me, please, at Psalm chapter 119. We cannot identify a problem without giving a solution to that problem. That's leadership 101, right? Right? If you you see a problem, you need to know the solution too. Well, the solution is found in the Word of God, as all solutions are. Psalms 119 and verse number 10. If you could stand with me, please, and stretch our legs and circulate our blood as we read God's Word. Just three verses. It's verse number 10. It says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. Blessed art Thou, O Lord, teach me Thy statues. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of Thy mouth. Dear Heavenly Father, please thank You for dying on the cross. Thank You for salvation, for the Gospel, and for everything the Gospel is. Thank You. Thank You for loving me enough to save my soul. Father, help me tonight as I go down a path where others can be encouraged to go and make a difference where you send them. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Verse number 10 here, there's, there's just three points, so it'll be quick, all right? Verse number 10, it says, whole heart. Do you see those two words? Not half heart. Son, go clean your room. He moves four items and goes, I'm done. Well, that's not with your whole heart, is it? I don't think I've ever told him to clean his room. It's always clean. Now, pick up Legos, that's another story. But you get the point, right? It's your whole heart. Or you start dating somebody and you pick up a a half-dead flower on the ground and be like, here you go, I wanted to get you something nice. Well, you wouldn't have too many dates, would you? And here scripture says, thy whole heart, everything about me, seeks God. Is that true for us? Do we take everything about us and seek God? You know the scripture says all these things will be added unto you. It's before that it talks about seeking God. Seeking Him. Why are souls not being saved? Because we are not seeking God. The Lord. If we do not seek the Lord, then being a witness for God will not happen. If we do not seek the Lord, then being a witness for God will not happen. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest. If we're not seeking Christ, we won't see the harvest. Point number two. See, we're going quick, aren't we? Verse number 11. It says, thy word have I. I am probably, if you give me an English test and we all took the same English test, I'd probably get the worst grade. Sorry, teachers. But have I... Is that past tense or future tense? That means have I done it? Have I? Thy word have I? Well, what about you? Is hiding God's word past tense or future tense? Is God's word in us? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 750 million souls will burn in hell without hearing a true presentation of God's word and accepting Christ. And we're still stumbling on, have I hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee? I might not sin against thee. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Is thy word in you? So according to John 1, thy word is Jesus. So is Jesus in you? And I don't mean salvation, but I mean the attributes of Christ. Think about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Think about those things that come out of us. Is thy word, is Jesus in you? There's so much to say about being in Jesus. You could have a whole class over at the seminary about just being in Christ. And how many times Paul writes in Christ. And how all throughout scripture about being in Christ. And we could learn about all of that. But it, was, it doesn't matter unless he is actually part of us. If Christ is every decision we make. I have this path to follow. Do I just follow? Go where I want to go? Or do I say, hey, Christ, where should I go? And then follow. Is Christ the very forefront of our thoughts? How can I convince you to go to Europe if Jesus is not even in you? If he's not even part of your life? Think about the woman at the well. She went to the well in the afternoon to get her water and lots of speculations why, and we've heard those sermons, right? But what happened? She found Christ, she became in Christ, and she went back and got more people because of the change in her life. Where is the change in our life? Think about the demonic-filled man. He was chained and broken and chained and broken and chained and broken and most likely trying to kill himself because of the torment that he was in under the legion of demons and then he met Christ what a glorious day that was for him huh and then it says that he was sitting and he was in his right mind and he was he found Christ and he was changed but the story doesn't stop there with him does it it says he went home but then what happened he didn't just stay home he actually went out and he said listen everybody knew him by the way listen um I'm changed because of Christ and others were saved who is being saved because you were changed there's a song that says I was trying to catch the crippled man did he run past this way he was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today and the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl he's leaving to answer God's call it's hard to believe but if you don't trust me ask the blind man he saw it all That makes no sense, does it? Except for Christ, who makes the difference. And friends, there's 750 million souls that need to hear the truth of God's Word. Religion is to control us. That's what Hungarians say. Religion is a way to just control the people. It doesn't mean anything. There is no God. If there was a God, we would not suffer the way we suffer. By the way, under socialism... We would not suffer the way that we suffered. If there was a God, we would not have to go through this other man to get what we need. This is what Hungarians say when you present the gospel to them. Well, There is a God. There is truth. And it is Christ. Let's look at Psalms 119 again, verse number 13. It says, with my lips, here's that past tense again, have I declared, do we? Have I declared all the judgments of whose mouth? Thy mouth. We don't get to say what we want to say. We get to say what he gives us to say. Isn't that wonderful? There's such power in that. This this type of message, I go back in different scriptures and I pull it all together for a thought and but, but systematic preaching is where I'm comfortable at. Where you start at verse 1 and you go to the end of the chapter. Because I get to stay in one section and it's comforting to me. Because then my, my, my confidence comes in the Word of God. Because it's His words then. But when you piece a message together like this, it's like, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm trying to say something I want to say. But the confidence still needs to come from God's Word. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. His mouth. It's his message. We're only the messengers. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Tell them about me. Uh Uh-uh. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? Who will go for us? Here am I. Send me. Such a contrast between two men. It's God's message. We are only the messenger. Let's look at just the lips declaring and the words that we speak. Let's look at that. In Luke chapter 6, if you could turn over there. Luke chapter 6, verse number 45. It says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which, this is Christ speaking, that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. That kind of makes sense, right? Like if you went over to Lowe's and you got a gallon of blue paint and you opened it up and it was red, you'd be like, what's wrong? But if it was blue, you'd be like, yeah, that's, that's what it's supposed to be, right? If you went over to KFC and got some chicken... And you open up the thing, and there's a, a Big Mac in there. You'd be like, this isn't right. So this verse makes sense. Out of the good treasure comes the good things. Out of the evil treasure comes the evil things. And then it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Let, let's add that to our ingredient list. If I said flour, cocoa, here's our cake, you Ready? If I said flour, cocoa, egg, oil, a couple other little ingredients, what are you getting? Chocolate cake. Who likes chocolate cake? Great. We're We're in one accord here. In verse 46 of Luke, it says, And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So here, it's like this contrast of good words from a good heart and good, evil words from an evil heart, and then saying, why do you call me Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? Like, go ye therefore, and teach all nations. He said that, right? He not only said it, he commanded it. That's why we say the Great Commission, right? The commandment given to the local church. Our walk with the Lord is revealed by our mouth, or the good treasure. Looking at Matthew 6, verse 19 Says, lay not up yourself treasures upon earth, where moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, that is th- there your, will your heart be also. We've heard that before, right? What about our words? And I don't mean like foul language versus good language. That's not what I'm referring to. But what about the words, without Christ you will die and go to hell? Those are words too, right? What treasure do they come out of? The good or the evil? That would be the good. So our words make a difference for eternity. Over in Psalms it says, with my lips have I declared then we see out of the treasure of our heart you speak and then we find that our treasure needs to be sent on ahead to heaven so what we speak comes from our heart and is eternal that leaves us with what is our treasure what do we talk about what it comes from our heart is sports eternal maybe for some people right what about wealth? Is that eternal? What about the rich man in hell? He could not take his wealth with him, but he kept the name rich man. And that's what he's known for. But Lazarus, the beggar, he's known to be in heaven. So what do we send on to eternity with our speech and with our thoughts that come out of our heart? There's a great crisis in missions of God's servants not going, and I believe it's because of the lack of Bible reading. Because this is our roadmap for life. And when we have the Word of God in us, that's the good treasure. When the good treasure is in us, then out of us comes that good treasure. That's what we just saw. Let's look at Psalms 119, 105. We talk about the path of a Christian. Let's see what David wrote here in Psalms 119. Verse number 105. Do you know the verse? Could you quote it? It says thy word could we say that good treasure? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Are our feet beautiful? Do they bring the gospel and the light unto my path. What guides us? What, where do we want to go in life? Tomorrow you're going to wake up, most likely. Where will you go? Who will you talk to? What will you say? All of those answers comes from the treasure of your heart. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God's word in our heart comes out as good treasure but let's think about the lamp for lunch today we had deep fried catfish can we get an amen there and and homemade onion rings can we get another amen and when you have deep fried what do you do you have oil and you put that oil and you get it nice and hot and then you put that catfish in there and it sizzles isn't it wonderful just wonderful But after a while, what happens to that oil on the stove? It gets dirty or it starts to burn and you can smell it. And the smell of burnt oil is not good, is it? And sometimes you can't even get rid of it for days because it just smells. Now that didn't happen in our house. We have the smell of fresh deep fried catfish, amen? But when that oil gets dirty and then you put some potatoes in there, and then it gets more dirty and more dirty. Eventually, it's what? It's good for nothing. You can only purify it so many times if you put it through a filter. In fact, if you deep-fried a uh, particular fish, that fish flavor would be in the oil, and then you'd have fish-flavored french fries, right? Where, where, are, you, where are you going? Uh, I'll tell you. Exodus, chapter 27, verse 20. It says, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that I bring thee pure oil. Oil in Scripture is a a picture of the Holy Spirit. And this here in Exodus is the building of the temple where the light inside the temple, the oil for the light, represents the Holy Spirit. Thy word is a lamp, oh wait, if thy word is a lamp, what's the oil for the lamp? The Holy Spirit. In Exodus 27, 20, they command the children that they bring the pure oil beaten for light. Friends, if we don't have pure oil, then we don't have pure oil. And we're not, we're not going to have bright light. We're not going to be able to see what direction to go. In Psalm 51, verse 1 through 13, this is the repentive prayer of David. In Psalm 51, David says, Have mercy upon me. Do you remember the passage? In verse number 2, says, Wash me. In verse number 8, it says, Make me to hear gladness. In verse number 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart. In verse number 11, it says, Cast me not away from thy presence. David, the sinful David from the adultery with Bathsheba, is turning back to God and he's saying, I'm filthy. My oil's dirty. I'm no good. Clean me. Make me pure once again. But then verse 13, it says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Notice it says, Then will I, once the sin is out of our life, then will I tell others about Christ. Once the sin is gone and the Word of God is in us, then I will tell others about Christ. John four thirty five, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they are white unto harvest. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlet.org.